Good afternoon, everyone. Happy MLK Day. And you know who's out there working? That's right, the postman is out there working today because I just got a package today from, that's right, Republic Brands, OCB. Shout out to OCB. Thank you guys so much. We are going to see what is inside of this box that they just sent over. I want to show you guys and let's see, uh, let's see what we got. Yes, my favorite, exactly what I need. Boxes on boxes of OCD Slim packs. I was just about out and so I'm so glad that they just sent these because now I can restock and know that I am not going to run out of these amazing papers. Not to mention, too, we have the Emerald Cup coming up, and so I'm definitely going to need a lot of these with all that judging that we're going to be doing with all these different flowers. So thank you so much, OCB, for sending that down today. We really appreciate it. These will all get burned, and I can't wait for you guys to send some more. Thanks so much. opinions and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice, and for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. It is the Hyatt. Oh, it is the Hyatt Nine yeah. camera. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It's Tuesday, January 16th, and today is National Without a Scalpel Day. National Fig what? Newton Day. I, I know. I'm confused by that too, Todd. I want <laughs> uh, like without a scalpel. That's I mean, like are they, I'm talking about? Yeah, the the, the, the scal surgery without a scalpel. It just sounds like it's going to hurt. Without hurt, a scalpel, and you're going to have leave He's lots of scarring. <laughs> it's also For National sure. Fig Newton Day. <laughs> National Religious Freedom Day, and this is your favorite, Rico, of all the days, I think, of the year. It's National Nothing Day. What's that? National Nothing Day. Big fat nothing. Big old nothing sandwich or a nothing burger, however you like sure. it. Sure. Yes. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook.
Facebook, Instagram, and on our very own website as well. So thank you to everyone joining us from any one of those platforms. We do appreciate you spending your time with us. But kicking it off today, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lameet, who, as you know, they say most, most men are colorblind, and he happens to be colorblind as well. He suffers from that because he thinks his hat is red, but we all can see that that hat is orange. That's right. It is none other than the dope orange. dad himself, Rico Lameet. So there's a couple of things that are flawed with your logic there, Jason. Number one, it's what nothing not being it's uh, nothing day uh, playing the race card here, it's but um, day. look at the data. You it's, know, it's nothing. Black day. men are less than ten percent uh, um, liable to getting color blindness. Are you saying white. you're part of that ten percent? Is that what you're telling me? Scientific fact number one, and then number two is something to do with uh, the way that the color is being transmitted here because it's one hundred percent red. Mm-hmm. If you saw me in person, you would see that it's one hundred percent red. Well, uh, my hat, but it does look orange on the screen. So, you know, it's orange, bro. It is, man. It's orange. Perception's perception. reality, bro. Perception's well, reality, Rico. You know well, that. Perception. So mm-hmm. Go with it. Mm-hmm. So, speaking reception of reception, is reality. Yes. Oh, boy. Ooh, oh, are you a receiver? Because oh. we're talking about receivership. I mean, he was, we, you should see his collar. <laughs> so, um, is it popped? I mean, just look at his collar, bro. Just look at his collar today. <laughs> you, know, you got the Steve, yeah yeah yarrow cooper has a steve bannon look going on today mm-hmm. you know not one not two maybe even three colleges <laughs> but speaking of that then we're gonna go in have a little bit of an educational piece today so um it's done by uh, gordon satro did a good job of breaking down receivership because we've uh, received a lot of questions about what receivership is and um are we in the next phase of actual business um here in cannabis so uh, there's a piece in uh, GMR uh, called uh, uh, Cannabis Companies and Receivership. Is it a good opportunity or is it a steep risk? So the uh, current state of cannabis industry, even more so in established markets, folks are running out of money. We've covered a number of large names over the last couple months here on Hyatt 9 News um, that are of uh, folks that are heading into receivership and after not being able to pay their bills. One of the most prominent names we've talked about recently was herbal distribution. Um, and though receivership's a common term in mainstream corporate America, it's fairly new to cannabis. So today we'll be talking about what it means um, um, when and uh, why a company goes into receivership. According to GMR's Gordon Satro, when a, com- when a cannabis company goes into receivership, it's usually because the company is facing financial distress or has defaulted on debts. So uh, now a third party appointed by a court or a creditor, the receiver, takes control of the company's assets, operations, and finances. The receiver's primary role is to manage the company's affairs in a way that benefits the creditors or stakeholders involved. They might sell off assets or they might restructure the business or uh, take other actions to recover funds owed to creditors. Receiverships often seen as a step towards rehabilitating a company or winding it down to pay off debts. most likely in cannabis, it's probably winding off to pay off debts unless it's a big name. Um, or it will, might see a resurgence. Chances are it will not. Um, it's a legal process that aims to protect the interests, uh, interests of creditors or stakeholders while addressing financial issues that the company is facing. So when a, um, they actually have choices when they get in there and, um, and, a, and a line of order of the processes too. The first line of order is debt resolution, addressing companies' debts. Uh, then they go into evaluation and strategy. So before implementing certain changes, the receiver conducts a thorough assessment of the company's financial health, 
operations, market position, potential for recovery, um, and so on and so forth. For the article, receivership aims to protect creditors' interest by attempting to secure funds owed to them, and primary focus is satisfying the claims of secured and unsecured creditors other than maximizing shareholder value. So scrolling down, there's a lot of good information in here, but I want to go down to the actual questions here. Um, is it, when you were talking about cannabis, is this a good opportunity, or should you stay the hell away from cannabis companies in um, in receivership. The key considerations there are when you're acquiring a distressed company, it carries inherent risks. These could be um, substantial liabilities, facing operational challenges, um, encountering resistance from employees, suppliers, customers due to the company's troubled status. Through due diligence is thorough due diligence is essential. And uh, you need to make sure that you're going through the financial health liabilities, legal issues. Is it actually worth you taking over said company? Um, if you're in a position like Planet 13, you're just going shopping for assets. It's more of a real estate play. And I want to make sure I ask Yarrow his thoughts on this one, too. Uh, would you go into these companies or not? But um, having a broker that first represents the pitfalls and the opportunities, um, so you can really weigh out the risk versus the reward uh, in these is key to moving forward. But um, as we enter Q1 of 2024, we're seeing a lot of new faces in the industry, and a lot of them are um, behind a lot of known names. And generally, that is because folks are coming in and buying companies pennies on the dollar right now. So um, my question to everybody is, if you're seeing a lot of these, I don't know, these beat down uh, distressed assets, especially if you are in a more saturated market like California, Washington, um, or Colorado, would you guys pick up a dispensary on the cheap and roll with it as of right now. Um, so I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. I would love to hear from the rest of the team on this. If you have about 500 grand to a million dollars, are you dropping that on a retailer right now where we are? Is the risk enough for you? Mm, so I'll, I'll take I'll take a stab at this. Uh, oh first of all, dopest go. dad yep. on the orange... First of all, it's dopest dad on the orange street, not the red street, just so mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, the first receivership that I saw was the sale of the Guild Dispensary in San Jose back in 2019. So this has been a common method for divesting of cannabis assets for a while. I think we see an uptick in this because of the uh, market maturation and price compression and margin decline. I think, and I was just talking yesterday to the people who did the receivership sale for the herbal assets. Um, they've sold everything but for the lawsuit and a couple of the other uh, components uh, of, of, of that business. So I, I don't see that business uh, coming back. They haven't sold the tech. They haven't sold the pending lawsuits. They've sold everything else. I think receiverships bring with them a certain measure of safety and security in that you have an independent third party who is uh, facilitating that transaction. Uh, I think that um, there's opportunity to buy the dip. If I had between 500000 and a million dollars, I don't know that buying a dispensary in a mature market is where I would put my resources. I do think that I have personally been focused on uh, newer adult use markets and specifically retail in those adult use markets for the last three years. And so I've been focused on that frothy exuberance that exists for at least a number of years as these new adult use markets come online. And in mature markets, 
buyers need to be aware that they're not catching a falling knife. Doesn't matter what you pay for something, it matters what you pay compared with what it's currently worth and whether it's going up or going down. So I think that um, uh, I think that the receivership process uh, will continue to see play out specifically because there's this inability for these companies to file bankruptcy. Uh, and I don't know that that's where I would put my money. I think because of my position in the industry, I would rather be involved in companies that are pre-seed round where you get a lot of value for the money you deploy and where you can pick winners and losers before they're winners or losers. Uh, but that's a different position. That's because of who I know, what I know, and where I'm at. Uh, and I think investors and capital partners need to understand not just the opportunity, but the limitations of what they should be doing based on their knowledge and their their sphere of influence and, and sort of, you know, I, I would never go in sight unseen. Uh, so I think some of these dispensaries... There's well, roll well, well, hold on. And that's exciting. Yaro, Yaro. Are, are you seeing like a used car market? Is, is this like, like seeing like you're buying a brand new car versus um, if you're going in for one of these fire sales and getting a dispensary for pennies on the dollar? Um, you got to deal with somebody else's boogers under the seat, right? That's no, right? no, no, bro. You guys got this all. You guys got this all twisted. You guys got this all twisted. Okay, all so twisted, bro. You guys Go should ahead, be Jason. pretzels or maybe playing Twister or something. You guys got it so twisted. You mean twisted like a joint? Or that, that's a whole other twist too. You know what like I mean? Like a joint. But but here here's the reality. How do you see it, Jason? Here, here's the reality of it. If you are someone with butt loads of money and you're just looking to acquire assets. And you have a significant, significant funding to do a whole remarketing, rebranding and whatnot, then uh, then these types of assets, I think, would be extremely attractive because when you purchase an asset out of receivership, it has absolutely zero debt. It's basically a brand new corporation with all of the infrastructure pre-existing infrastructure in place. So that can be extremely shell of what it used to be. It, it doesn't matter. It, 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 well, first of all, the person that's buying it isn't worried about what it used to be. They're worried about what they can turn it into. And that should be the focus of it, not necessarily what it was and what it did do, because otherwise you'd be living in the past and not the future. Yeah, I completely I mean, agree with about, you. I, I'll also say one thing that it's like. Well, the present's a gift, Rico. The present's a gift. And right now, the gift is you can get into a business in a three-plus billion-dollar market that you're going to have the opportunity to actually make sales people because that's still where you have to make sales. Yes, there's delivery. Yes, there's other kinds of businesses like lounges and stuff like that that are that are re-emerging but like the the retail is still where the cannabis gets sold this is still a big market it's not the worst opportunity um, i think that there's a difference between the opportunities in other markets and other states that are emerging and i think that's where a lot of focus is traditionally i've been on that end as well and so i think that there's you know, prioritization in, um, you know, in, in these assets that are available because of some of the markets that, you know, de, you know, mature or immature. It's like, if there's, if there's potential in a market and people are leaving that, it's something to look at. I agree with Yaro. Other markets are exciting and it's, and it's a good place to like, you know, to, to stack your chips. But, you know, if you're trying to be in this business for another decade and you've already been in it for a decade, then you need to continue the brand and that content continuity of your brand and potentially a retail brand um it, it means it means some serious um expansion dollars in a place like california but if you could you know if you could 
add on to your already existing um, business model or bolt on to your already existing business model, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, d- don't count out the California retailers just yet, everybody, because we're here. Yeah. We're, we're California is still the market and it'll continue. I, That's a good way to go. I mean, he's right. Hold on. I think the timing is right for, for folks to get in right now rather than. Um... I mean, the, later the, the, the t- it's, it's, it's not a matter of timing. It's a matter of the resources that they have. And what would you? What, what, That's right. What, it's both. No, it's not. Has nothing it's to do with both. timing. No. The only, oh, yeah, because the price. The no, price it's is not. Going it's to not. Swing wildly. The, the price. The, the prices aren't going to swing wildly, bro. The, these like, and I don't understand where you come up with this half a million or one million dollars for these things. Okay, when you're in receivership, it's a bidding. If you have a bidding, if you have if you have like thing. half a million, you got a million dollars burning a hole in your pocket. It's a bidding. It's a, my, uh, you can get a dispensary in receivership for way less than that, Rico. You don't have to have a half a million. But this is what I'm saying. If you have the funds. And you were looking get, to get into the market. Is now a good time? That's my question. Is is now? Well, a good you're, time? you're asking you two totally different questions. Than, than you you were, you were baiting with one question, and now you're asking a totally different question. Why are you being so critical of your co-host? I mean, it's one thing to <laughs> just, just add the color of his hat, you buy, but like if, you if, woke if you up had on the bucks. grumpy bear side of bed. <laughs> yeah. Not even close. Right. Could we, Real talk. Can you guys swap out his coffee <laughs> with some chamomile tea so we can have a kumbaya? Okay. Okay. <laughs> his, it's running away right now. Yara, Yara, Yara. It's because his, it's because his, it's because his secret front runner in the in the political race is uh, is dropped out. Vivek is no, done. Vivek no. is gone. I don't Jason's know what you're talking. About. I'm, ain't no one worried about that, bro. Trump took first place in the Iowa caucus last night. Ain't nobody worried about <laughs> nothing. You're talking never about there to begin with. Yeah. Vivek was a hanging Chad, right? So, so I think I think I don't want to talk over Todd because Todd was going to say yeah. something. Um, uh, but I, but I, but I think I, there is one thing I would like to add before we segue to this esteemed colleague, which is that I don't think as much about the acquisition cost of the asset so much as I think about do I have the See? team in place after the acquisition of that asset to turn that asset right. around and and to maximize the value. So to me, I care less about the cost of a dispensary in distress than I do about. Do I have the people, mm-hmm. the people capital to run that business the way it deserves to be run in this market and to really optimize? Because you can talk square footage, you can talk parking spaces, you can talk number of lights, you can talk genetics. But if you don't have the people, if you don't have the culture of accountability and productivity, and you don't have a very deep bench of folks you can trust, then it doesn't really matter what you pay. Yeah, not only do you need the people, but you need the capital. It's not just the initial purchase of this received building, but Mm -hmm. you need the capital to be able to run it successfully, uh, which the person right before you has just failed. No, I've dealt with several companies here in Nevada who went into receivership and owed me lots of money. So from the debtor standpoint, it sucks because you don't get any money because they always claim, well, we don't, we have to pay for this. We have to pay for that. And you know, you're in a long line of people waiting to get, you know, 10 cents on every dollar that, that, uh, you know, you're promised, Mm -hmm. but it never comes because they claim like they don't have the money to do that. And, you know, as the receiver, you have to be way more funded than just your initial half a million million dollars to buy the uh, buy the deal because mm-hmm. you have to maintain and you have to break down you know the the vendors that you've just screwed over nope. no you don't right how no, you, you don't. do business no, with you them don't. again you don't have to do nope because you're a brand new corporation you can start fresh with all of them 
that's not, that's how it works. You, you can start fresh with all of them, but me but as a vendor, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Vendors, to do business. Vendors, vendors, vendors are in the new guy. Vendors are in the in in the business of selling product, and if they have to cut their losses in order to spite their face, they are generally willing to do that. Bro, I've cut tons of losses to, uh, See what I'm to saying? spite my face. See? <laughs> right. See what I'm saying? And with no scalpel. Wanna... With no scalpel, Todd. Yeah, with no scalpel. That's right. That's right. No lube. No lube. I don't want to uh, really do business with somebody who takes over and then doesn't pay their bill. Well, they're not. that's my point is if they buy it, they have no bill. They have the bill. They have the no. debt. They, no, no, the no, debt. no, no, no. When you buy a business out of receivership, there is zero debt, bro. There is no debt on associated with that with that business. You have a brand new business. There is zero debt yeah. associated with that. It's a clean slate. Yeah, that's exactly. Clean slate. In the article, that the receiver is is their job to handle all of the debt, make sure everything is settled, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and queue it up either to be rehabilitated or to be sold, sold. off. Exactly. On the share. Exactly. And on and, and on yeah, that, we went, it's, it's a good, we, I thought I thought it was a good conversation to have. We had a great debate with it, and even though Jason wants to dance around easy questions there i didn't like, dance like, around my whole anything. thing was like yo if you if you had the money to do it would you buy a distressed asset in a saturated market like, 100 100 is my answer 100 i would 100 and also too if you need some tricks in receivership i happen to know a few um on how you can be first right of receiver in the receivership so uh just holler at me let me know if you're in the market <laughs> right, Jason, he'll, he'll teach but, you how to turn those mm, tricks. yeah the exactly. government just allows for bankruptcy then there wouldn't be an issue you're you're, you're right, right on that guys go bankrupt but we're so far well they do allow that. for it they hold do on. allow for we it gotta, just hold on hold on we, we, we gotta go to a commercial we're gonna be back we gotta go to a commercial we're yeah. gonna be back you guys get ready for the 20 year anniversary celebration of the emerald cup the emerald cup will be held at the henry j kaiser center for the arts in downtown oakland may 4th and 5th get your tickets now for best pricing cannabis categories include flower Three rolls, solventless concentrates, solvent concentrates, cartridges, edibles, topicals, tinctures, and alternative cannabinoids. So enter early for your chance to be a winner at the 20-year anniversary Emerald Cup competition. Exactly. See, I'm with you. I'm with you on that, Yaro. If we got billionaires behind me, we're buying dips. That's right. All of them. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. Jason Beck, the king of buying dips. That's right. <laughs> All of them. King you know what? Dip. He's also known for smoking the best weed in the world That's and his right. undying support for uh, despots who think that they're going to contender way back number into one. This very White House. Contender number one. The very White House uh, they were going against. But um, we're not going to talk about pretend that. Pretender number his, one. Pretenders. He doesn't, he doesn't need to pretend when he's winning okay. number one. Just saying. <laughs> Makes me really not want to go to Iowa. I don't know who you're talking about, but uh, I'm bringing to the stage right now Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. Iowa caucus, man. Make sure you, Iowa caucus, I guess, because the votes came in. And that's right. You know who won. Even if you hate to admit it, you know who won. But nonetheless, my story has absolutely nothing to do with that. Stolen election. No, stop it. Only the Democrats do that. It's rigged. Yeah. But nonetheless, you guys, oh, man, let me tell you what was really going on. Because out there in Oklahoma, nearly 9,000 illegal marijuana operations shut down, the attorney general says. That's right. Lots of changes are coming to the marijuana industry in Oklahoma, especially for those who are growing and selling it illegally. Two news reported in 
November when Oklahoma Attorney General's Crime Task Force, in partnership with Wagner County, found more than 72,000 pounds of black market weed at the a Porter business. Two weeks after that, the Oklahoma Bureau, Bureau of Narcotics seized a 14-building illegal marijuana compound in Locust Grove. It's a cause for concern, the state agencies, but also people who live near them, like Kelly Mishler, in quotes. I'm all for medical marijuana, Mishler said. I'm just not into people coming in here from other countries, and there are a lot of them. Those who work in the marijuana industry told Two News uh, it's also hurting grows and dispensaries that are doing it the right way. Oklahoma Attorney General uh, Genter Drummond said uh, this time last year, Oklahoma had more than 12,000 illegal weed operations. Now there's less than 3,000. Many of them are operated by straw owners. A straw owner is often paid to be listed on the license as the business owner, so they'll pass the background check and meet Oklahoma's residency requirement but aren't involved in the business. End quote. Folks that make make you uh, makes you come complicit in the crime, I will put you in prison, Drummond said. Drummond said no fewer than 10,000 illegal immigrants in Oklahoma are directly involved in illegal marijuana, fentanyl distribution, and human sex trafficking uh, in- industries. He said uh, in the year ahead, it's going to be contingent on local law enforcement, the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority, and state agencies to put an end to illegal marijuana in Oklahoma. In quotes, everybody is 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 coalescing to become an organized anti-crime task force in Oklahoma and it's gotten great results Demond said and if you or someone you know believes there is an illegal weed operation near you the attorney general's office has set up an anonymous tip line so it can be reported <laughs> well 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 Oklahoma Trap City, USA. Man, oh, man, oh, man. And they are encouraging the snitching out in Oklahoma. What do you guys have to say about this? This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do you guys think? It's good. I think it's about to be a rough, it's about to be a rough year for Oklahoma. That's for sure. Um, I mean, do you you buy this 9,000 illegal cultivations have been dismantled? Yes. You believe that? That's, that's a big number. That's a big yeah, number. I mean, it's a big number. Oklahoma's kind of a it's kind of a big state, and okay. there's a lot of land, and uh, cannabis went gangbusters there. So yeah, I believe. I, I mean, is it accurate? I don't know. Do it I gave believe out it? Like Ten thousand licenses. No. Yeah. Do I do I believe it? Yes. Is it legit? I mean, I don't know the exact number, but I can I can imagine that it's over ten thousand for sure. Um, Three thousand now, maybe. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with also market flexibility over the last couple of years. I mean, the, the prices started to drop, so maybe people got out then. But like Oklahoma is just, they're growing a lot of cannabis there. They're growing a lot of cannabis. So having these guys go, you know, um, you know, get taken down or get shut down, I mean, does it mean that the cannabis is going to stop growing? I doubt it. It's just more of now that's how they're going to be able to track the diversion and and get their, you know, whatever their quotas or whatever, whatever the local law enforcement in Oklahoma has to it gets graded by. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a challenge. This is this is why that we need this federal legalization. This is why we need descheduling. This is this is the exact reason why I say on this show every week that just 
free the plant, mm. free the tea, free the tea. And we won't have any issues. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't have synthetic cannabinoids being created. We won't have we th- this. Well, yeah, but not as much, right? Not as much because the price of Delta nine distillate will go way down Todd. So it'll, it'll take out the synthetic cannabinoid market I'll because help you as someone who produces Delta nine, it helps me. <laughs> no, it helps me. It helps me a lot because I don't want to fight the synthetic cannabinoids on the market. I'd much rather just be a proponent for freeing THC in general or descheduling it so that we could actually have a real agricultural business model instead of now a pharmaceutical synthetic model. Can you survive with lower prices? If you can, why don't you just lower your price? I, 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 I think that of course you can survive because scaling will will help you survive. But it's like it's like there's already so much weed being grown. Why do we have to derive these products from other cannabinoids like I, CBD? I agree with you. I'm just you know I agree with you, but I'm just so saying, free I don't, the I don't plant solution. Free the plant and weed for the people. What troubled me about this article? again, through my real estate lens, was they seized property. It says that they seized a property that had like 14 buildings on it or something like that. And I think that is a very, very slippery slope when we start talking about asset forfeiture. It doesn't even mm-hmm. sound like the, the, the I, don't, I don't know that that property owner was involved in that grow. I don't know if they proved that beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. I think that when the government comes in, it's one thing to yank a license, which is, quote unquote, a privilege. But when you start taking away people's private property bundle of rights, like a fee simple interest in real estate, I get a little, uh, I get a little hyphy. Would you argue that um, this whole initiative to take down 9,000 plus, um, uh, whether what that number is erroneous or not, uh, do, do you think this is uh, taking weed away from the people? Would you argue that? It's taking weed away from the bodegas in New York for smugglers who don't want to have to travel all the way to Cali to get the good good. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I I think probably there was a lot of pressure on a federal level for them to clean up their act and be a lot less loosey goosey than they've been in the past. So you're saying you're saying that they they made their own bed. These agencies, they they created they created this this problem. um, um, And number one, by uh, pretty much like making the licenses was like twenty five hundred dollars a pot right out the gate. It seemed like uh, the the number that it amounted to, I think it was like ten million dollars. It seemed like a pet project for whoever put that law forward. And uh, and then they 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 did not have to have COAs. They didn't have to have a lot of the um, uh, the um, uh, guardrails that other markets had. And now, like the final blow to what they thought was going to be somewhat of a decent market, like they don't want to they don't want to legalize. So, do you think like this is the only thing left um, that they that they can do to combat the trap? Is is just go after all these illegal operations and, and just try to televise it like what's going on here i think they're well yeah i mean they're it's, it's definitely deterrent they're, they're playing a real yeah. game out there in oklahoma of this, is whack-a-mole. The this is all whack-a-mole bro this is all whack-a-mole <clears throat> yeah Mm-hmm. They they try to open it up like the sooner state does, and then they quickly realize that you know they can't they can't uh, you know unleash the American dream in the in the cannabis industry because this is what happens, and so they had to like work backwards, um, right. you know, from mm-hmm. from their normal kind of operating procedures to stop that. But I mean, that's what it is, right? It's like you you do these things, and you're like, hey, shotgun approach. This is this is 
a capitalist market come in here and do your business just pay the fee this is exactly what's going to happen but then on conversely on the limited market side you have a lot of those struggling businesses bringing in sometimes product that's not cultivated in that state so that they can commence their commerce that's mm -hmm. the problem is like again this is just part of the stupid it's just dumb it's like the rules are hamstringing the businesses so they're making these um you know unadvised you know deals and opportunities come to come to fruition because of the restrictions and then they're in trouble so it's again it's like it's just doesn't make sense to me it's like let's just do this in a smart calculated way where we the first step is descheduling cannabis the next step is commencing business across the country like normal it just doesn't i don't know how that doesn't make sense to you know lawmakers but that's that's why i'm not a lawmaker well, and before we move on, Jason, I have a question for you. You know the Nike shoe box. Mm -hmm. Every drug dealer knows the, the orange, the orange box, one, right? the orange one, or like the Jordan, the orange. one like your hat, the one, yeah, the like, one like your, your hat. hat. He's yeah. gonna hold it up. He's yeah. gonna hold it orange up. <laughs> like this. This is what orange looks like. It looks like this yellow. Is Nike. This is That's a Nike yellow, gift bro. card. That's yellow. Bro. This is what orange looks like in your you got, camera, you got some lighting. right there. You got some lighting so you know, my bro. hat is red. No. Where's my Bronco? A, a That's brand yellow. new Nike gift card. That's yellow. This should be orange. It's not coming through as looks orange. Yellow. My hat is red. You got your hat's you red. red. It's not my fault. No, Todd's oh, yeah, hat is red. red. Todd's hat is red. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. It's yeah. speaking, speaking of red hats, we're going to roll right into the redheaded man himself. That's right. Mr. Todd Dankin. He is the founder of the Smuggleverse, <laughs> where you can get all of your digital dank. And he also founded Digipath Labs in Las Vegas, Nevada, where if you are a cultivator in Las Vegas, that is where you should be taking your weed to be tested to make sure that it's quality assured by Mr. Todd Dankin. Sure. That's right. The voice. It is none other than Mr. Todd Dankin. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my story today is uh, about some research finally being done on cannabis and an interesting one. How much cannabis do you need in order to lower your golf score by 10 strokes? A new weed golf study has been released. The question is, does cannabis catalyze superhuman feats or induce sluggishness? From couch lock stereotypes to unmatched creativity, popular perspectives spin both directions. As legal access expands, the question holds big implications for policies restricting adult use. And while many leagues uphold blanket bans, research remains preliminary and contentious, exploring marijuana's actual impact across consumption levels. On one extreme... Prohibitionist holdouts insist no amount leaves capabilities fully intact, branding the plant an inherent per performance inhibitor, warranting strict rules. The advocate of common sense <clears throat> caution towards intoxication, eyeing impairment rather than potential tools for growth, hiding behind social, social stigma or just say no. Conversely, some enthusiasts evangelize enhanced outcomes in athletics, music, or other arenas, disinhibiting anxiety, easing injuries, inspiring practice, and unlinking repetitive thought loops, or just say yes. Off a track, scientific performance analysis for good reason. The sport encompasses a range of athletic variables, uh, allowing granular measurement. Consistently contending requires harnessing physical power, finesse strategic course management, and steely concentration across hours of sustained mental stamina. Precise ball striking relies on refined technique and coordination, 
where microscopic errors balloon scores rapidly. Plots measure mere rotational deviations dictating scores rising exponentially. Moreover, each hole changes angle, terrain, and hazards, testing uh, adaptability. It is a mental and physical gauntlet running without pause. So does weed improve your golf game? Well, this exploratory research recruited three golfers across different skill levels and had them play completely sober to establish performance baselines. They had five drives to measure distance, five approach shots checking accuracy, and took five putts documenting consistency. After getting a clean bill of health, participants then consumed measured THC dosages via vape pens, starting at around 6 milligrams. They retested golf skills at set intervals as intoxication levels increased incrementally up to 50 milligrams of total intake. Early doses showed cannabis decreasing inhibition as predicted, improving driving distance but hindering fine motor control. Testers pushed swing speeds faster, while precision suffered slightly on touch shots and putting. Essentially, some skills enhanced by lowering overthinking and anxiety with complex hand-eye-body calibrations declined from chemical interference. Off grew more adventurous and fun, but extra effort required mitigating focus lapses. Then around 16 to 18 milligrams, they call that the golden zone because it emerged. All participants described entering immersive flow states with elevated euphoria, empowering supreme presence, skill and focus, unified, assuring both power and accuracy. Athletic grace moved seamlessly without doubting, without doubting internal chatter, disturbing perfectionism. Esther's reported effortlessly tapping innate talent and repetitions without consciously recalling every micro movement or they called it, <clears throat> excuse me, being in the zone. But pushing further, expecting linearly better performance issues cascaded by 50 milligrams total THC. All golfers at this level felt functionality compromised by intensifying fatigue and impaired motor function on the golf course. Tension drifted, motivation dipped, complications snowballed. Simple routines became puzzles too onerous to untangle. They needed assistance identifying their equipment, and aimless wanderings cut tests short. Function followed form into dysfunction. While still preliminary, uh, these results mirror expectations. Some cannabis compounds temporarily improve mood, health or concentration in reasonable moderation, benefiting performance depending on fitness demands. But in excess, psychedelic intensity Human operate optimally without added stimulation. Dose and mindset remain key. One can claim no universal boon or blockade solely attributable to cannabis. And uh, with momentum carrying cannabis legalization forward, now that public opinion, state laws, and economic forces unite behind reform, the need for impartial performance research <coughs> grows urgent as prohibition walls crumble Predictable calls to regulate adult access through practical guardrails rise in tandem. The science lag much must catch up supplying evidence separating reefer madness rhetoric about blanket impairment from realistic nuance across situations and intake levels. This goes on to talk about how uh, we need other testing in other uh, areas, you know, and they want to answer the questions, what dosage ranges appear assisting some performance performance facets while hindering others. Do patterns emerge around optimal duration and delivery methods? How do impacts vary across psychologies, metabolisms, and tolerance levels? 
and only by grasping cannabis complexity beyond monolithic framing and society's structure environments facilitating positives mitigating risks given the inherent impossibility enforcing universal prohibition without immense collateral oppression so again this goes on and talks about the uh, importance of testing and using uh, basic tests basic daily activities to answer these problems and to really lighten the load for the prohibitionist who says none of this is good for anybody. From anxiety relief and creative inspiration to recreational enhancement with inherent psychological ceiling constraints, cannabis defines, defies framing as just a toxic vice or panacea. Its organic chemical cocktail facilitates experiences unique across batches and bio-individuality. Thus, knowledge around particular effects empowers both industries, providing products safe, safely alongside consumers navigating choices wisely. While we still need, uh, while still extremely preliminary, this budding frontier of sober data, investigating cannabis, cannabis through objective tests, delivering multiple risk-benefit dimensions, promises e-stigmatization. I can't even say this word, destigmatization. Destigmatization. As edu- thank you. Thank yes. you very much. Uh, as education, the appeating market requires no less than full illumination, bloom unrestrained by residual superstitions rooted in propaganda. And at, that pure light beams brighter when science leads the way. So let's do some scientific research and let's figure out, is it good or is it bad? What do you guys think? I'm Todd Dankin with Hyatt Nine News. I, I, I know Yarrow has a dad joke. Yarrow has a dad joke. For I play guys. golf. I don't know. I play golf on Sunday, so and I, uh, I, I smoked a couple of joints, and I played very well. <laughs> so. I mean, I got I, I got some dad jokes. I mean, when you're on the green, you're on the green. I mean, for me, mm-hmm. I only play mini golf because I'm vertically challenged, and it's me against the windmill. Is that because um, you can't find I, long enough clubs, Yarrow? Uh, the they don't make the them in my size. I had to like have them <laughs> customized. And, uh, you know, being in real estate, I'm sure I would, my net worth would be doubled if I knew how to play conventional golf. But growing up in San Francisco, that wasn't like a thing. My dad wasn't taking me anywhere that included a, a golf course. Uh, I, I just, um, I think it's, a little it's bit not, of cannabis relaxes. So, so you're you saying, are, are you saying that you're a disenfranchised childhood, basically? You're blaming your parents for your lack of golf game? No, bro. Bill Crutzman doesn't play golf, bro. <laughs> Bill Crutzman. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we didn't grow up in a neighborhood that included any golf courses. That's for sure. I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised. But I, I think that I think the takeaway here is not as golf specific as the article. Right. I think the sure. takeaway is that a little bit of cannabis r- releases inhibitions and can get people out of their head, and a lot of cannabis. Is probably not so great for athletic performance. I mean, I mean, I disagree with that completely, Yaro. And it's okay. We understand you grew up with Bob Weir, not John Daly. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We get it. Mm-hmm. But let's look at Shikari. Let's look at Shikari Richardson. That's right. Let's look at all of the athletes that smoked this. Right. But Michael Phelps, exactly perfect. I think, example. I think Michael Phelps is probably the only one you guys could use in this analogy. But Simone, no way. No way. You're conflating. Using cannabis while you're not engaged in your athletic activity. How do you know? How do you know? 
Because felt because can't because you can't you can't swim and smoke weed, bro. The joint will go out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but did he smoke before the the race? Like, let's get he real. Can Come eat on, an edible. He yeah, but, seen, but you can I mean, you could be. I've seen some. Hold on, Simon. Hold on. You you could actually be swinging a golf club while you're hitting a joint or a blunt at the 100%. same time. I at the same damn time, big enough that I can hit the ball with it while I'm smoking it. Like hit on the blunt and then bash the ball. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. It's not about the smoking the weed at the moment of impact on the ball or whatever. It's that you're in the mindset, right? It's about the mindset, the state of mind, the calmness, the focus. That's what these athletes are using cannabis for. It's to get into the zone. And when you're in the zone, amazing things can happen. I really think that's more what this is and neurologically speaking i'm sure that there's so much more that we need to actually like um you know recover data wise but there's definitely some people out there that can help us out maybe we maybe we come back to this story maybe we do a, a part two after we talk to some uh some fancy neurologists with some letters i'm a fancy, I'm a fancy neurologist so on am I. Tuesday. So am i don't I. know if you knew that <laughs> and the thing that I'm really trying to stress here is not that I think that cannabis is detrimental to athletic performance, but I think we really need to tether our conversation to the notion that cannabis is not a performance enhancing drug and therefore should be allowed for all athletes. And so okay. I don't want to say that it's a performance. I like that. No, I like I that. I believe that all athletes should be able to do what they do when they're off, off the clock just like anybody else, and to be able to use it for rest, recuperation, in the zone, like you said. And so I think, you know, we, I mean, look, we were having these problems with the NFL. They're only giving $500,000 to CBD research. It's only the MMA that's finally allowing cannabis, the international, uh, you know, athletics the U- the association UFC. is still the saying UFC. that it's a bad thing. Yeah, the yeah, UFC. That. And yeah. the NBA. What, what, what happened to this golf? Whatever ever happened to free? Well, that golf. you have to be high. Oh, that's a requirement. That's a requisite. Golf game. It's a tall. It's a tall boy and a joint to what play about, the game. Don't that's they cool. have? Don't they have glow in the dark golf too? I think. I don't they know. Do. I think that's a West Hollywood. That's a West Hollywood shit, Jason. No, no, no. They have like little, little, little glow sticks. People of color aren't gonna be playing no games with a bunch of white boys in the dark. Oh God! You know what? On that, yeah, we're we're going to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. All this craziness from Rico today. Sounds like a trap. Hey, you America. I look like Sean Connery. <laughs> Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, Check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated.
Oh, yeah, stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you've not subscribed already. And all of the stories that we cover on today's news, you can read directly on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. Check them out. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah. You know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Cute. Up next, we got a fellow dope dad, 15-year industry vet who's an award-winning solvent extraction pioneer, and a current focus on helping menopausal women say hello. But also hi. Hello. Again. Mm-hmm. Y'all know who it is. Saman <laughs> Razani. Hello, 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 beautiful humanoids. It's Tuesday. January 16th, and today is the day where we're going to talk about more cannabis being grown in Oregon. Big surprise there. Uh, This one um, is coming to us from In the News, OPB. Struggling with oversaturation, Oregon's cannabis industry calls for new restrictions. Leaders of Oregon's cannabis industry are asking the state to permanently restrict the number of new marijuana businesses. To date, Oregon has approved over 3,000 licenses for farming, processing, or sale of marijuana. Industry advocates say since businesses can't export to other states, that's far more than what their customers need. There's, there are so many businesses competing for the same amount of market share that it's not that it's just not feasible, said Mike Getlin, the board chair of the Cannabis Industry Alliance of Oregon. Since June of 2018, a series of legislative and informal moratoriums have stopped additional licensure. However, the versions that current uh, the version that's currently in place is set to expire this April. The Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commi- the Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission said that if that happens, it would have to start processing applications again, and the agency doesn't believe it's in the legal position to create its own pause. Now, Getlin is calling on state lawmakers to take action. He's asking them to prevent new licensure until there is significant population growth. The proposal would require that before any new licenses are issued, there is less than one license for every 7,500 smoking age adults in Oregon. For processing and wholesale licenses, this would need to be below one in 12,500. Gellin said that the state is far above the threshold right now. He said this change would stop the current overcrowding, but it will prevent things from getting worse. I'm sorry, wouldn't stop the current overcrowding, but it would prevent things from getting worse. What we're fighting for is not to fix the Oregon system, said Getlin. It is simply to not accidentally have a big old knife stuck in its heart. Under the bill, marijuana businesses could still sell and purchase to existing licenses. As part of House Bill 2515, the proposal died in committee last year, 
Getland said he hopes a bill with similar language makes it across the finish line this year's legislative session. And that's the story coming out of Oregon. What do you guys what do you guys think of this? Uh, business owners going to the government and asking them to, you know, restrict or create policy to stop businesses from um, submitting applications. What do you guys think? Just more of the same. More, exactly. It's more the same. Like more, more and more markets are um, having to deal with bad policy moves that they made mm-hmm. in the past, and it's coming back to bite them. Everybody's hurting because of it. Con, con, like you know, conceptually, I get it makes sense, but also, isn't it a little counterintuitive? It's like, look, this is a free market. It's we're supposed to be able to, you know make commerce and start a business and do what we need to do is it fair for operators um in that state who are struggling to ask the state for legislative assistance in in, um, restricting the applicants and the growth of the industry i mean to me i i mean i'm very torn on this one because it makes it makes sense it also is like do you just do you just create your own clickish kind of situation in these states um, where it's now impossible for somebody else to come in, even if they're a, a really good cultivator or a really good business operator in another state? And let's just say that they have an expansion idea into said state that's restricting the the licensure. Is that fair? I mean, is fair even the right word to use? Are we concerned about fairness? Are we more concerned about just bringing down this house of cards? in this industry so i i don't know i mean it's a really tough one at this point i think you got to choose the latter right because um fairness is out the window when everybody's struggling right. it's not just you know it's not just uh select communities anymore mm-hmm. um that was my argument that i started making last year like we need to stop talking about social equity start talking about reparations y'all really want to solve some of these community issues like get up off of that shit. Mm-hmm. everybody's hurting or Oregon just to me seems like the one state that's that really has um, a, a, a handle on their legislators, and um, we saw this with the um, the recent Todd. Um, you remember the Aspergillus situation where they where they basically froze a bunch of the batches and wouldn't let them sell it because of the Aspergillus contamination that they found. I mean, the uh, you know this the. the 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 business owners were able to sell that cannabis if i'm not mistaken at the end of that time period which was just recently expired um you know and it's like i don't think the government can do much in those situations but that's kind of the point it's like what power are we giving to the government to actually control what we do and is it do they have the control or are we in a better position to control what we do and we're just failing at that as operators so I have two thoughts. The first is it's different if the government restricts licenses on its own versus listening to the cries of industry if industry is asking for it. And the second thing is when you base license types on a certain number of cannabis users per capita, I will always question that data because I don't think all of the cannabis users are going to be transparent in sharing their lifestyle with somebody who's collecting information i think it says smoking age so of legal smoking age so 18 or 21 or whatever the whatever that is so um you know i think that's a very interesting way to to actually come up with some some equation on how to how to license for cannabis i've not heard of like a, a per capita uh, equation be kind of be presented before. So this is like, this was interesting to me. Have, has anyone seen that anywhere else? 
not not really. This is this this nope. is a new one. This is a new one. I've seen that in Sonoma County in Santa Rosa when they were thinking about how many dispensaries to allow and they were trying to extrapolate what percentage of the population used cannabis and therefore mm. how many dispensaries should be allowed. And unfortunately, mm. I think there's actually a good argument that Santa Rosa uh, has allowed for too many dispensaries, even though like you, Saman, I'm a big free market guy. If you've got 30 plus dispensaries in the pipeline for a town of that geographic and population size, uh, at some point, you know, everybody's just fighting for a more limited slice of the pie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I that, mean, that's been the Oregon market since the beginning here in Vegas. That's been that's been how Oregon yeah, has true. since the beginning. You know what I mean? Like that's been the, the, the been the status quo. It's always been fight for your life up there. And then meanwhile, all you know that that was where the the market really plummeted first too, where you started to see you know really like crazy rock bottom prices on flour coming out of Oregon before before it hit hit even California. Look in Vegas when they were giving out licensing. You know why would one guy? at seven licenses and the next guy gets zero, right? So mm -hmm. it definitely happens. The big guys, right, lobby to the state and say, look, we're struggling here. We can't make enough money. Don't give out any more licenses. But that's the story that they give, right? The consumer wants choices. Mm -hmm. Consumer wants yeah. more dispensaries. You know, there's a Starbucks on every corner. Why shouldn't there be a, a dispensary? Mm -hmm. Well, well, you know, that's, that's a great point. I mean, it's it's so, it's so fascinating to watch this all unfold. I, feel, I count myself very fortunate to be at the nucleus of of this moment in time and and to be able to watch it because it's going to look so much different in ten years. Todd, it's definitely going to look more like a Starbucks situation. And we'll see these oligopic oligopolies kind of emerge, right? We're going to see that hundred percent play. It. Yeah, absolutely. they're already emerging. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fascinating so, stuff. I think Rico, uh, he, he said, you know, at the very beginning, you know, more of the same. That's mm -hmm. what, that's what this industry is about. You know, it's uh, who's ever got the gold rules. And uh, that's what's happening. That's right. And we are way over yep. time. We got we to gotta keep this train rolling. We're going to roll right on in to Mr. Yarrow Cooper. And he is the Sonoma man. That's right. Up there in the 707. Who does real estate? Sometimes he'll do some cannabis. And every once in an even greater while, when there's some money on the table, there'll be some cannabis real estate on the table as well. That's right. Is none other than Mr. Yarrow Cooper. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Hi at nine viewers. Uh, Tuesday morning, January 6th. I've got a bit of a lengthy article. Luckily, I've already consumed most of a full pot of French press, so I can probably blast through it pretty quickly. Um, but I think this is an exciting one. So without further ado, let's just dive right into it because I I love this location, I love this state, and I love its history uh, in cannabis. Marijuana legalization among top legislative priorities for Hawaii's Senate majority. As Hawaii's new legislative season kicks off this week, Democrats in control of the Senate say that legalizing marijuana for adults remains a top policy priority for the new year, framing the reform as a means to boost the state's economy. The Senate majority announced their legislative priorities in a release last week, listing cannabis legalization among a host of other issues around emergency preparedness, workforce development, education, natural resources, 
and housing. The marijuana mention appears in a section about economic development and infrastructure. The Senate remains committed to diversifying and expanding Hawaii's economy, as well as improving infrastructure throughout the state, the document says. In 2024, the Senate will focus on utilizing private-public partnerships and off-balance sheet financing proposed by the Department of Budget and Finance to identify alternative revenue streams for programs and projects, increasing investment in repairs of state facilities on each island, exploring renting out vacant state-controlled facilities to generate revenue, investing in emerging industries to diversify the economy, such as film and technology, improving access to potable water, improving transit-oriented development infrastructure, improving and maintaining aging school structures, expanding alternative energy infrastructure through the installation of electric vehicle charging stations and the wheeling of electricity, exploring energy alternatives for self-sufficiency, funding new jails, Oh, great. <laughs> Prisoners and reentry programs like that and legalizing adult use recreational cannabis. The comments from the Senate leadership came on the heels of a revised draft like legalization bill submitted to lawmakers earlier this month by Attorney General Ann Lopez. Lopez emphasized when announcing the bill that she does not support the legalization of adult use cannabis. I'm sorry. Yeah, does not support it, though her office said it will also not oppose passage of cannabis legalization as long as it contains certain key provisions. Last year, the Senate passed a separate legalization bill that has stalled in the House, but legislators and Lopez herself have signaled that 2024 may be the year that legalization becomes law. I've changed our position from opposition to that train has left the station, Lopez said at a confirmation hearing last year. This could well be the year Hawaii listens to voters and replaces cannabis prohibition with legalization and regulation, Karen O'Keefe, director of the state policies for the Marijuana Policy Project, told Marijuana Moment. The Hawaii State Senate continues to prioritize this important opportunity to foster liberty, justice, and economic growth. And the legislature now, legislature now has a comprehensive vehicle drafted by the AG that can serve as a starting point. Nikos Leverens of the Drug Policy Forum of Hawaii and the Hawaii Health and Harm Reduction Center said in an email to Marijuana Moment that the announcement from Senate Democrats recognizes the potential for adult-use cannabis sales to bring in needed tax revenue. But he warned that Lopez's latest legalization bill is problematic insofar as it apportions future proceeds to special funds rather than leaving spending to the legislature. The 316-page measure from the Attorney General would create and direct tax revenue to a number of special funds, including around cannabis regulation, social equity, public health and education, law enforcement, and nuisance abatement. Behavioral health treatment programs, youth programs, school facility improvements, social equity programs, and science-based public education and research can all benefit from the additional revenue, Leverand said. Yet the legislature should generally have the discretion to use revenues according to its year-to-year -year budget priorities. He also warned against excessive regulations, which he said could blunt the economic benefits of legalization. The current medical cannabis and industrial hemp sectors highlight the economic shortcomings of excessive regulation and bureaucratic resistance to making needed adjustments. O'Keefe at, at MPP said the bill drafted by Lopez's office needs revisions to avoid creating Prohibition 2.0, thank you very much, pointing to the rules like safe storage and a strict THC driving limit that doesn't necessarily suggest impairment. Most legalization laws include modest civil fines for minor violations. In contrast, the AG-drafted bill imposes harsh criminal penalties for anything but strict compliance, she said. 
An elderly couple who live alone would face up to a year in jail if they store their cannabis in a glass jar they can open instead of a sealed, child-resistant, and resealable package with original labels. Meanwhile, an unscientific per se standard will ensnare sober drivers long after impairment wears off. In November, the AG's office defended an earlier version of the legislation it put forward earlier that month. After Honolulu prosecuting attorney Steve Alm said the law enforcement are firmly against legalizing marijuana in general and Lopez's plan specifically. So I could go on and on. We are way over time. There's about five more paragraphs to this article. But I think I would like to open this up instead to my fellow guests and panelists. I'd like to know what you guys think about cannabis in Hawaii. The Pakalolo. The Pakalolo. It's shocking that it's uh, such a hassle down in Hawaii, where they're pretty liberal about most everything. It's. It, I, it, I, I think I, it's just. Sh- it's shocking. I totally agree with you. I mean, and and it's also shocking to me the fact that 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 they're focusing on all of these different things when really they need to be re- focusing on rebuilding Hawaii and getting these people their land back that their houses right. burned down on. Yeah. And that should be the focus. Right. Yeah. And, and, and meanwhile, they're, they're out there with all these other bells and whistles trying to dangle as distractions in people's face when they're not taking care of the real work that the people need. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's super sad. It's super sad what's going on in Hawaii. Um, I mean, my fr- I have some friends in Maui that were affected by the Lahaina fires, and now they're they're still not secure. They're still kind of just like, you know, moving around, and it's a terrible situation on on that island and just in general. But with cannabis, it's like, as you said, Todd, this is ridiculous. They have such worse problems in Hawaii than cannabis. I mean, they have like real serious hard drug problems in Hawaii that um, it makes it's like it just doesn't make any sense. It's like push this, you know, push this plant, push the benefit. I mean, it, it, you can you can reverse some of these long-standing um, addictions, you know, if you treat people with high doses of THC for sure. Mm. Um, it's just you. It's just something that it's just counterintuitive. But um, I I think that it's obvious that their their kind of whole entire society has been infiltrated with way more of like the mainland esque kind of way of dealing and, and governing people. And um, you said you mentioned something like some of that money was going to fund more prisons and stuff like that, right, Yaro? Yeah, of course. Um, what do they want? They they want to just lock us up. They want to make us actual slaves so that we can work for them and they can have huge contracts um, and they can reap the benefits of um, hardworking indentured servants that are serving time in these um, private prisons. And it's a real serious problems. Come, you know, like America. I, I mean, we have well, Luke on the show many days a week. It's like, this is something that everyone has to open their eyes to. They have to wake up or else it's going to be us behind those bars one day, you know, pumping out license plates for the state. So it troubles me that this Democratic AG mm-hmm. is such a pain in the hindquarters and in the patootie. and also in the patutu in the tukas in the rear corridor so so the other thing that comes to mind for me is that hawaii is to cannabis like napa or sonoma is to grapes and it has a history that deserves to be preserved and celebrated and elevated and so there is this contribution on both the national and global stage for the cannabis that has historically been produced in Hawaii. And I think if you were to poll the populace there, I don't think most 
Hawaiians, native or otherwise, see cannabis as a major issue in those islands. Simon, you touched on ice or the speed issue that plagues not just this island, but a lot of the other islands, um, you know, from, from Tonga and Fiji. And so there are real issues there. And the, the fact that they're dickering and bickering and messing around versus just being laser focused on the rebuilding is a challenge. And then this also this notion of line iteming where the taxes go, it feels like it is uh, replicating the mistakes that we've seen in other markets that end up supporting the unregulated market because of the burdensome tax structure. And the notion that you could criminalize people for not putting cannabis in a childproof jar Go to your liquor cabinet. Yeah, yeah, that was because insane. every insane. bottle of vodka you have is a <laughs> twist top or a cork. And then tell me <laughs> that I should do a year in jail because my vodka isn't childproof. That's so true. And what about what was the story about the um caregiver that recently was um they got raided and uh, I believe obviously they got all their stuff chopped down or whatever, but it was like a caregiver that was doing this and had patients just like any other medical system. Right. And they came after that person and they shut them down. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's a really interesting uh, situation in Hawaii. I don't know what's going on. I want to hear more about this. I know we have some people in our, in our uh, chat that are, that are natives um, and have their family that are natives of Hawaii and the, and the land. So I want to hear more. Uh, we should just keep an eye on this high nine. I think oh, yes. that, um, uh, the, the, I find it ironic that the culture who invented the hang loose symbol, right? Mm -hmm. Don't have legal weed. What the fuck? Right. So, so, so right. The Pakalolo, they got to free the, free the plant. But on that, in, in the essence of time, I'm going to, I'm going to roll right into this final story. You guys, this is, this is the last story of the day and it's, it's pretty short and pretty cute. I hope you guys enjoy this. <laughs> All right. Because a beer spray wielding store owner stops a marijuana thief, you guys. Chalk one up for the good guys. An attempted robbery at a pot shop in Washington State was stopped after a nearby business owner confronted the burglars and sprayed one of the suspects with bear spray, according to the Shoshmonish county sheriff's office Dep <laughs> deputies responded to a burglary at a marijuana shop in everett around 3 a.m on monday and surveillance video showed three kias entering the parking lot of the shop the driver uh, of one of the vehicles attempted to break into the business by ramming into one of the sides of the shop and according to officials a man who works at a business behind a pot shop heard the disturbance and discovered the burglary in progress and used bear spray at least once on one of the suspects the owner of the pot shop marijuana 99 told fox 13 seattle he also stays armed with bear spray and has had to use it before but that was not that was the first time his business had been slammed into during an attempted burglary and uh, deputies added that the vehicles involved in the attempted burglary are also believed to have been stolen and no arrests have been made at this time deputies said but look at this look at this video Watch this. Wow. Mm-hmm. But he needs so many guys to rob a place. Well, because you got to, you don't, everyone only has two arms and five fingers, and you only can grab so much. <laughs> you know, you, you don't ever remember back in the day, like Toys R Us, when they'd have those those shopping sprees and people would just load sure, up their sure. carts. Basically, that's what. Shop till you drop, bro. Shop till you drop. All of that. All of that. All of that. <laughs> 
Except when you get capped, you really drop. Oh, there so he goes. Shop till you drop has a different meaning. There he goes with the Kia. I thought to... you said beer spray. Yeah, I thought you said beer spray. No at the, bear. At the beginning. I'm bear like, spray. Bear spray. Beer shit. At the, these guys. Bear, right. no. Bro, bear spray messes people right. up. Oh, it'll Boom. fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. Bear spray will screw you up, bro. And. There's this video. What are they doing over here? This is why this you is... get caught for doing stupid shit. Exactly. This is... <laughs> oh, man. Hardly oh, even did it. Watch. Here we go. Here we go. He's going to ram it. Oh, oh wait. Oh, there, here comes the guy. Oh, I'm watch. Like here, comes the here comes the bear spray. Here comes the bear spray. Get some speed. Get some speed behind oh, you. Maybe not. Oh. Come on, come on, bro! Ram that <laughs> yeah. shit and drive, there not reverse right, right. and drive. Turn this shit around. No, come on. I mean, I think he may be worried <laughs> oh, he's gonna shit. hit the his trunk. Friends. Won't open. Now. Oh, oh, I got it. it was oh, they were backing in. Okay, is that a Subaru? <laughs> no, that's a. It's their Kias. Their Kias. Oh, it's a Kia. Yeah, yeah. nice. Right. It has nice. Yeah, it's the easiest vehicle to steal. These guys. So they probably yeah. stole the yeah. vehicle and used it as a battering ram. Yeah, Adam. Adam, can That's you put, it? can you put gone? on the screen? Can, 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 you, can you put on the that screen? Can you put on the screen the picture of the of the guy with the with the bear spray? These guys are the biggest bunch of wussies I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they're definitely not the professional band of roving marauders that we see. Wow, look uh, at that damage. in California. This looks like the Keystone Cops or the look, Three look at, You see him? You see him spray? Look at that. You see him spray? Oh, play that. Nah. Again. Oh, bro, it's right. Yeah, happen, it's happens right, right here in the bottom oh, seat. Boom. Look at that bear spray. Boom, right in the eyes. Mm hmm. Look. That dude's pissed right now. Oh, bro. Yeah, that's not my gonna... definition of foreplay. <laughs> Oh, that dude's boom. Pissed. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Right in the right in the kisser. Right That's the a kisser, bad day. Guys. That's a bad yeah. day right there. He gets shot not yes. shot in the cornea. It's not having a good day. Yes. Right. I'd much rather I'd much rather get hit with beer spray, to be right, honest. Right. I know. Get... I, that's, I didn't understand that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they talk about a burning sensation, it's never a good thing. <laughs> oh man. And on Where was uh, where was this? This is in Washington, in Washington. not Vegas. No. I was gonna say leaving Vegas is a burning sensation. Oh man! Yeah. You know, speaking Whole different of burning, burning sensations. sensations, we want to wish you all a lovely day. Thank you all for tuning in to High at Nine News. It is America's number one daily cannabis news show. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you to Adam with his feathered hair out there, and and uh, and, and and on this, uh, you know, I don't usually do the closing. I'll let Rico Rico do that, but uh, I'm gonna do it how 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 Rico would do it. And Mr. Todd Denkin, please give the people something to work on for the rest of the day. Okay. Uh, well, what I would say is uh, keep tuning into Hyatt 9 because we take this shit seriously. If uh, you know somebody who's not watching, get them watching. There we go. Love everybody. And also, to uh, make sure you keep making weed, uh, weed great again. That's right. And uh, vote Democrat. And what I'm saying. And wear red hats. <laughs> wear red yeah, hats. Wear red. Come hats. see Profit yeah. Brands in Modesto, California, this Friday, January nineteenth, uh, at Fino's in Modesto. Profit Brand launch. Please from be there. Come seven. see us. It's from Oops. three to seven. From three, three to, to seven. seven, but you can get there earlier. The first seventy-five people in line are going to get free gear, free VIP bags. The first ten people in that line free, are going to get free. Uh, uh, a, a very special gift. I'm just going to spoil i'm going to spoil it here it's going to be a signed um, on this copy show of the book, because i huh? think you'll need to know 
Exactly. Sign yeah. copy of the book. Uh, get in. Get in the line early. Come support us. Come hear the story. Come share this um, this momentous occasion with us. So, so Saman, in addition <laughs> to all of the other reasons that you articulated for why to be there and to support this amazing brand from a legacy and justice involved founder. There is word on the street that you are setting up a kissing booth and that you're going to be uh, kissing the first 100 people. Is that also true? Uh, uh, y- actually, you know, actually, you know, Yara, you haven't sent me back the you haven't sent me back your uh, your uh, contract to be the official kisser. So I don't know if we're going to do that. But hold on, hold if on, you want to come see Yaro, what if you want to go? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I'm not good. I kiss like Jabba the Hutt, and I never brush my teeth. No. I think it's better for you, Yaro. Yaro, no. If if if, <laughs> if Simon had a booth there, we would be having the longest blunt roll booth, and we would have people oh, come up in time and see how long it actually, actually takes Simon to roll a blunt. Right. You know yes. what? We should actually do a Guinness Book of World Records thing for that. The lo- in the fact, longest, and, yeah. uh, maybe, we have to time, time you though. We have to time you with a calendar. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> after, yeah. After the four-hour and twenty-minute so blunt oh, in yeah. Vegas. Tom is going to try to exceed his production time record and make no 48 hour Red Bull and few like guys, guys, I'm going full on. I'm going, I'm going only, only off of the piff and that's it. But this doesn't need any gimmicks. Profit has a great story. Come here and come see us. We'll see you on Friday. Modesto. Peace and love everybody. (laughs) 